Welcome to the Bella Sad Bellum Podcast, the podcast for military-connected women, bringing messages of encouragement, humor, and practical how-to on topics that impact their lives most, equipping them to lead in the service and in the home with grace and wisdom. We care deeply about sharing accurate, timely, and relevant information with our listeners, but neither we nor our guests have a monopoly on truth and everyone's military experience is unique. The views expressed in any of our content, written or audio, do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, policy, or view. Welcome back to the Bella Said Bellum podcast. I am your host, Julie. I'm Bernadette. Welcome. And today we have an interview lined up with Stephanie, who is an expert on minimal living, which is really hard to accomplish in the military sometimes. I heard Stephanie speak about this topic and I said, wow, this is something that I have struggled with. I wonder if other gals would like to hear this same message. We should see if we could get her on the podcast. And so I pitched the idea to burn it and she said yes. And then we approached Stephanie and she said yes. And so we are excited to have Stephanie Welcome, Stephanie. Hi. And maybe tell us a little bit about your background, your experience in this area. I know that you do this professionally. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So my husband and I are here in Germany. We've been here about three years and we've got two boys that are almost six and seven. And uh, we have been on the minimalist journey for many years. My husband and I, when we met, we both very like-minded, very simple, and didn't like to acquire a lot of things that didn't have meaning and value. So we've been that way with our kids and tried to incorporate that into our extended family as well. So a few years ago, I was kind of handed over um, a minimalist page on Facebook for the Ramstein area. And while I had been on this journey for many years, it was a great opportunity to really begin to affect other people. Mm-hmm. I've always spoken about it to other people. And even when I was a young kid, my mom talks about how I would go to my friends' houses and we would, instead of play, we would take everything out of the room and we would clean the room and then we would get rid of things. <laughs> and then I'd want to have a yard sale. And my mom, she let me just have my fun with that. Thank goodness. I've always just had this deep within me. And so it's been a real blessing to be able to speak this into other people's lives and really begin to help other people physically and even just emotionally, especially right now with COVID and not being able to interact with people one-on-one, even just helping people virtually. People really seem to have a need for this, especially military spouses. Yeah. Well, so Julian and you obviously have spoken, you know, a bit more. And so she's a bit more familiar. But for me and and also for our listeners, can we just start with how do you define minimalism? (laughs) You know, where do you get started with that idea? Sure. Is your outlook kind of the same as mainstream or or different? So I think for a lot of people, it looks a particular way or they think that it looks a particular way and they feel like, oh, my goodness, I could never do minimalism. That would mean that I would have to get rid of everything I own. That scares a lot of people away. But I think that for me, it's really not about getting rid of our things or, you know, not necessarily even just finding a home for your things. That would be more like organization. And while those things are good, 
I think it's more about finding a purpose for the things that you do decide to keep. And so instead of Mm -hmm. focusing on getting rid of things, we focus on the things that we choose to keep. Hmm. I really like that definition because I will admit, even though I look around my house sometimes and wish I could just get rid of so much of this stuff, I do like owning some things. I don't want to get rid of half of my stuff. And so I like the idea that rather than minimalism being getting rid of all of your stuff, thinking about it more from the idea of a purpose, keeping the stuff that has a purpose and not keeping things that are not fulfilling a purpose and are just causing clutter and not adding to your life. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, It's this idea of not having things around that are actually, they really detract from our passion, from our priorities. These things that not only take up our time in order to clean them, but they really take up a lot of mental space that we don't really ever think about. And I think that's something that as soon as I took on that new thought process of these things take mental energy, are they worth my mental energy? I have so many things, kids, husband, the house, you know, all of it that I need to take care of. I wanted to make sure that the things that were taking up my mental energy deserved to be taking up that space in my brain. So that my purpose and my priorities were in line. And I think that's really hard. Some people, that can be a really difficult thing to face. And there's things that every now and again that come up and I go, oh, maybe I know I should get rid of that, but I, I'm not ready yet. So that, yeah. that can be a struggle, an internal struggle. Yeah, sure. Talk about, I mean, how do you work through that? So keeping or letting go of sentimental items or or things Ooh. that you know maybe you're not, maybe you're just not ready to let go of how do you work through that or process right. it or decide yeah, you know that is the number one thing that people struggle with that I have encountered I get a lot of people that message me I've helped people in person and encountering sentimental items is the most tedious and personal decision I can't tell somebody, hey, you should get rid of all of these pictures or whatever it is. That is really Mm -hmm. not, it's not my place. And it's not why I'm there per se, Mm -hmm. when I do go to help people. I think that it has to be something that one, you're ready for. Are you truly ready to let go of some things? And sometimes if we really, really want to keep something, one great recommendation that I have heard and also given to other people was if you really find something truly sentimental, but it's taking up maybe a lot of space, it would be to take a picture of it and then make like a photo album or frame that one picture and actually have it on display because the likelihood is that your sentimental items are boxed up in a tote in your attic and they're not serving their purpose. They're not having their full potential. What good are they serving you? by sitting in your attic. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that we have to wrestle with is when are we ready? And sometimes it's it's a slow, slow process. There are people that I've read out there that will say that you have to just do it, you know, like all in one day. And especially with sentimental items, that is not really easy, especially for a military family that we consume and collect a lot of memorabilia from different places that we're from or our husbands and spouses get coins or 
or whatever. But again, with even with those things, what good are they if they're not being on display or they're not for other people to actually enjoy? So I think it's important that if we truly find something valuable, we will find the proper place to display that item where it's not being overshadowed by other things. If we have too many things that are so-called treasures, it's difficult to find the true treasure, the true thing that actually represents Mm -hmm. you. I've heard and desired for my own life and for other people that when someone walks into my home, they know who I am. They know who my family is. They know what we love and what we're passionate about. Maybe a little bit of future me who I desire to be, but Mm -hmm. I want this to represent who I am now. So I think that's important. I love the suggestion about pictures and whatnot. I've actually seen a couple of things come across like my Facebook feed about that. And so maybe they knew that this talk was coming up. But they're kind of brilliant, right? They're about sending a box of your kid's art to this, you know, whatever place. And they take mm-hmm. pictures of it all and they send you back an album. And yeah. they'll send you back the art if you want to keep it. But really, at the end of the day, do you are you really going to look through all of your kid's art forever? No, but if it's in a, if it's album, a little photo like, album, yeah. like, yeah, totally. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, yeah. Can we circle back, though? I feel like you were talking about something that a lot of people don't normally connect, and that's the idea of stuff versus relationships. And those two things don't usually connect in our minds. In fact, usually those two things are at odds. Stuff sometimes, possessions, things become kind of the enemy of relationships. So can you talk about why? why you choose to have the lifestyle that you do and what would be important for somebody as they're starting out on this journey to make sure that they're successful in balancing that stuff and things and possessions versus other things that are important in life. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the very first thing that I talk about with people, whether or not I'm just helping them over the phone or I'm helping them in person. And that is why are you doing this? What is the reason, your purpose, your priority? What is your why? Why is it that you are doing this? Why do you want to be on this journey? Because everybody wants to know the how. If you only know the how, but you don't have a passion and a reason behind why, then you will fall. You know, you will fall off the bandwagon. If you don't have a strong reason behind why you're doing this, it's easy to just stop because it can be hard. It's very countercultural to not have very much. So for me personally, my why is that I desire to glorify and honor the Lord in everything that I do. And that even affects the things that I accumulate, the things that I allow to take up mental space, the things that my children are affected by and how they grow and learn and how my husband and I have a relationship or is stuff getting in the way. And so for me, that's my why. Your why can be whatever for you is strong enough to keep you going. Lots of whys that I've heard, you know, would be I want to spend more time with my family. And the less I have to clean, the more I get to spend with my family. If you could save me from cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) Right? 
And, you know, some people, they want to travel more. And so the less that they have to think about what's at home and what is needing their cleaning and their whatever, I know that there are a lot of families that don't experience that, that their husbands are not on board, that their kids are not on board. And it can be, you know, what feels like a lone fight against all these people that you share a space with and therefore possessions with. You know, you don't want it to cause tension in your family. That's certainly not what we're going for when we desire to have less. So for some people that can actually create more because their family's not on board. You know, it's interesting. I mean, because that's, it also requires a little bit of rejection of some of the tenets of American culture, right? Like part of capitalism and consumerism is these neat gadgets or these things that, you know, add to your life and your space. And those will make your life more efficient or more fun or more exciting or more whatever. And while there's certainly some truth to, you know, certain things have a use and do compel you or propel you more towards your why, you have to reject some of that if you're going to travel down this path of minimalism and selecting only the things that really are adding. Yes. Well, and I like what you said earlier, and I'm really going to latch on to that idea of thinking about the purpose of the stuff that you have. So accumulating things that don't have a purpose is kind of wasteful. We're not saying that you can't have that cool gadget if there's a purpose for it in your home. But if you're buying stuff that is not serving a purpose and it's just sitting around and it is adding to your mental load and you're doing that just because that's what everybody else is doing, you know, it's not actually helping you. That's tough. It is, you know, and it's funny because we think that when we go shopping and we buy a new purse or we buy something pretty, it helps us feel better and we emotionally shop like people emotionally eat. And that helps us to feel better for the moment. But then we then have to take care of that item that isn't serving us. So when when my husband and I make especially larger purchases. We're very diligent and do a lot of research. Well, he does all the research. (laughs) I tell him, hey, this is something I've been thinking about. And then we talk about it. So we spend a lot of time researching and making sure that the purchase that we make is beneficial and supports our why. Before we talk a little bit more about how, which I do want to get into because I need to hear some hows. But before we get into how, one more question about why, and that's specifically for women who have a connection to the military. So specific to military connected women, women who are having to PCS every few years, women who are moving to unexpected locations, and maybe they're carrying around a whole bunch of memorabilia from previous assignments, or they're carrying around a whole wardrobe of winter jackets because they just came from North Dakota, and they're maybe going to go to Florida. Who knows where they're going to go, and they don't want to get rid of it because they don't want to rebuy. Why is minimalism an organization important, especially for military-connected women? How does this help military-connected women? Yeah. So I reach out to a lot of ladies, actually, especially right before they're getting to PCS. I got a lot of friends that message me and say, Stubby, I need your help. There's so much stuff and the movers are coming. And so it's funny because we, we have this mentality that keeping more makes us feel more secure, that we'll be prepared on the other side. And really, it's more nerve-wracking, I think, 
to hang on to what I call just incational items. So instead of being unintentional items, they become just incational. It's this idea that we keep everything just in case. If we really have a purpose and we have a why behind what we're doing, and our why is really driving everything that we do, all of our decisions, we also begin to realize that our home is not a store. We aren't you know, uh, of the BX. We're not here to have all of the things that we might need. Yeah. We are here to have a place that is loving and nurturing of who we are right now. And so that just in case often becomes just wasted space. When we think about what we might need at our next duty station, we save it. You know, we think, who knows what my house is going to look like? I don't know if I'm going to live off base or on base. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what kind of layout I'm going to have. So we hold on to things that we then don't see usually for another three years. You know, it goes yeah. in a box and we don't look at it. You know, I find so many people that say, oh my goodness, these boxes have literally been sitting here for three years in yeah. my garage. I never got to them. I had an assignment where I had a really small house and I knew I was only going to be there for a year. And so I put a whole bunch of things in one room that I never unpacked. I never unpacked those boxes for a year. I got to my next location a year later and I said to myself, if these things have been sitting in a box for a whole year and I haven't needed them or even missed them, maybe I just shouldn't unpack this box at all. Maybe I should just get rid of it. Absolutely. So the terms, the, the time that's thrown around a lot of times in the, in the minimalist realm, so to speak, is if you haven't touched it for six months, you likely don't need it. Now, unless it's like a seasonal item, you know, maybe a winter coat or a holiday item or something like that. But really, the things that we need, we tend to use them at some point over the course of six months. And so if it's been in a box for three years, or even a year, two years, we likely don't remember that it's there. That can be really frustrating. Because if we don't remember that it's there, If we needed it, the likelihood is that we went and bought what we needed. (laughs) You know, if you had a spatula in that in that box or five spatulas in that box and you needed a spatula and couldn't figure out where it was, the likelihood is that you went and bought yourself a new one. And so, yeah, that's that's definitely a very real thing that people experience is this need to feel like I need to be prepared just in case. But I think that when we take that mindset and accept it, because we don't have to accept that mindset, we can decide to change our mind about how we live our military life. We don't have to continue to hold on to things just in case for the next station. You know, there's going to be things that we keep because they're very large items like your couch or what have you. And you know what? If you get to your next station and your couch doesn't fit, there are plenty of yard sale sites where somebody else got rid of their couch and now they need a new one. We feel bad if we get rid of something and maybe we didn't get our money's worth for it, you know, because we forgot that we had five spatulas and we had to go and buy a new one, you know, but really the wasted money really was at the front. We spent the money already. It's gone. You don't need to feel like you have to recoup the money. As we begin down this process, we will be more aware of the things that we have. And therefore, in the long run, 
not do things like that repetitively where we forget about or lose the things that we put in a box or what have you because we know where everything is. You don't have five and so you don't need to worry about where all five went. And so that's a really big change in thought about taking ownership of our, our possessions instead of our possessions owning us, you know, because that's really what happens is that when something is not useful to me, then really that item owns you. If you can't huh. let it go, even though it's not serving the purpose, your why, it now owns you. Whether it be a spatula or a couch, that item is now taking up mental space and owning you. That's my goal to not have that happen is to have things control what I decide to do. So let's get into some of the nitty gritty. Yeah. Let's move into the how. How often do you declutter? And like, oh. what's your process? How does it go? <laughs> My husband would tell you that it never ends. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's because we have kids and sometimes as they age, they grow out of things. I know that my style has changed since becoming a mom and I definitely would not wear what I would have worn when I was whatever weight we won't talk about. So, (laughs) right, yeah, but so my process, you know, and I've read a lot of different books. I love to follow Joshua Becker. I've read some uh, Marie Kondo. She's definitely more on the organizing side than the decluttering and minimalist side. I do enjoy organizing. Um, But I find that you don't need to organize as much if you don't have as much. So to me, the first step is minimizing, getting rid of things, because then you can decide how you would like to organize something. So for me, even since I was a kid, like I said, I like to go room by room and pull everything out. So and and not not every room at once, of course, Uh, but I or a space. You know, sometimes as a mom, the only time that I have for the day is, you know, the silverware drawer. And that's okay. Don't overwhelm yourself by giving yourself too big of a task. But I do encourage people to remove everything from the space that they are choosing to work on. Then clean that space. Let it be fresh and new for you. And then we decide on sorting piles, right? We have our keep pile, the things that are going to serve our why. We have our cell pile. And for me, that's a very particular pile. Now, while I love doing yard sale type stuff, I love selling things, I need it to be worth my mental energy again to take up the time to still be in my home until it sells. And then I also place a time limit on how long I'm going to give that item to sell. I don't want it to take up more mental energy just sitting in my home waiting to sell. I had a personal experience with this when we were preparing for our overseas move, and we really thought we were going to be moving into a smaller house, and so we were really trying to downsize, and we had gone through the house and uh, tried to eliminate a lot of things. But I ended up with a lot of things just hanging out in the house waiting to be sold, and I felt so guilty about, I don't want to donate this thing because it's worth good money. And I paid good money for it and I'd like to get some money back out of it. But I ended up hanging on to things for so long, waiting for people to buy them. I could have just moved on. Maybe I should have just moved on. That's a struggle for sure. You're not the only one. Don't feel like you're on the lone boat there. Even I struggle with that. It's a difficult process to let go of things you paid good money for. But, you know, like I said before, 
we have to kind of come to terms, especially in a moment of when we're we're leaving a space, like we're, we're PCSing, that taking them with us and, and now having to deal with those items on the other side when we are sleep deprived and tired and stressed out on that other end, it wasn't worth it. You know, again, we spent the money up front. That $50, that $100, that whatever it is that we spent is already gone. We can't get that money back. We can try to to resell items, but you know, a lot of times people think that their items are worth more than other people feel that they are. And that's hard yeah. to admit. Yeah. But, you know, I might think something's worth $50, but most other people think it's only worth 25. And so that's hard for us. When that becomes an issue, um, the thing that I recommend is finding a friend or a charity somewhere that you care about that you would feel like you were blessing someone else. Um, Mm. Don't unload your junk to your friend that doesn't need it. But if there's somewhere that could benefit from your couch, you know, maybe there's a, a group home or there's a shelter or somewhere that could benefit from that item that really can bring us a lot more in return than what we would make selling it. That's important because sometimes it can be hard. You drop off a bunch of stuff at the Airman's Attic or at um, a thrift store or back in the States, like at Goodwill or somewhere. And while that's good for a lot of things, you know, the quick stuff that really isn't going to make a lot of money, those bigger things that are harder for us to get rid of when we feel like we're actually giving them a new purpose and a new place to be and get their full potential. You know, that guilt, it goes away and you really do feel like you're able to bless somebody else with this item. And then there's the last place and that's the trash. Uh, (laughs) So a lot of stuff, honestly, it it just, it's served its time. Um, It has had a good life, so to speak, and it is ready for the trash. And that can be a little bit difficult, especially over in Germany. I (laughs) struggle sometimes with which trash does this go in? (laughs) So that can be a little bit. A little bit of a struggle, but we have a giant queen size box springs. Oh. We we bought a new bed that doesn't need the box springs. You can just put the mattress on it. And so now yes. we've got this and it's old, it's yucky. You don't ever buy just a box spring, so we can't like sell it. But I have no idea how to get rid of this. Like my husband and I just we stared at it and he's like, the only thing I can think to do is like chop it into tiny pieces and slowly sneak it into the trash can because otherwise <laughs> I have no idea how to get rid of this. I'm not sure which bin that belongs in. You know, a lot of times with that kind of stuff, you will be shocked at the things that other people find treasure and will come and pick up from your home. And I struggle with that because I feel like I'm encouraging other people to accumulate things they don't need, you know, but I can't, I guess I can't fix everybody. (laughs) My experience has actually kind of been the opposite that there, when I declutter, when I'm downsizing my house and I identify a bunch of things and I sort them into the three piles that you've talked about, there are a lot of things that I put in the sell pile or the donate pile that I think still have value. Uh, And then when I try to sell them and I list them on a yard sale page or whatever, nobody is interested. And so my experience has been there's a lot of things that I think are still valuable that 
apparently other people don't think are valuable. They may actually just be trash. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel so bad about it. (laughs) So the tip with that would be for me, uh, what how I go about that is whatever you think it's worth, cut that in half, and Hmm. that is more likely what other people probably will find it to be valued at. So in my mind, if I think that this item is worth twenty dollars. I say, okay, $10. I also have a price point where if something isn't really worth more than say $5, I do one of two things. And that is I either clump it together with multiple other things and make it worthwhile for somebody to actually come and get it. So I'm getting a good deal by getting rid of more things at once. And they're getting a good deal by saving money on multiple things. Or it goes to donate because it's really not worth my mental energy to go through the process of a yard sale. And I know that other people aren't going to find it worth their time and energy to come and pick it up. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to drive 30 minutes to pick up a $5 item. Absolutely. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But I encourage people to start small. Don't try to overwhelm yourself. You know, we've all got 20 minutes. We could probably hop off of Facebook and, you know, declutter one small space. And really feel that sense of satisfaction and progress and accomplishment. It creates a little high, that that excitement in us that we want to keep going. It's like, look what I was able to do in my 20 minutes. And then we think, oh, what else can I do? What other room can I do? What other space needs done? And I also encourage people not to start with the sentimental. Um, Start with things that are completely, um, you are unattached to, like the medicine cabinet. Start with the medicine cabinet. Start with getting rid of your medicines (laughs) that are expired. Do it for yourself. Your medicine cabinet probably won't take you more than 20 minutes, but there's probably some things in there that need to go. (laughs) It's almost like that snowball, but for your stuff. Yes. Yes. Right, Dave Ramsey, small win and then go big. Yes. And actually, you know, it's funny because that comes into play too. You know, just like Dave Ramsey says that you get to tell your money what to do instead of your money telling you what to do. That's how I feel about my stuff. I'm going to tell my stuff what to do, not my stuff telling me what to do. I think it's a it's a change of thought for a lot of people to think, man, I can be in control of the things that I bring in my home and then how they serve their purpose for me. So you've talked a little bit already about how we solve that uh, or or at least maybe not how we solve, but what your answer is to that perennial military household question about holding on to things that you don't need at one assignment, but, oh, I might want or need it another. And you called the, you, you know, the just in case stuff. And your answer was, you don't let it go. If you end up needing <laughs> it, you'll get a new one. But in the meantime, it's sitting in a box that you're not unpacking and you forget that it's even there and you're just going to end up replacing it anyway. So that's your answer to that perennial question. What about the obverse of that where you have to keep like you're you're ready to jettison stuff, but you have to hold on to things because the military requires you to have like this pro gear or all of these flight suits or this helmet bag or this rolling A3. Actually, I love the rolling A3 bag. I'm not going to knock the rolling A3 bag, but like all of this military stuff, and that might be unique to my family. I don't know if other people have that same experience, but a lot of stuff I'm like, why do we still have three pairs of desert sage boots? (laughs) 
Aren't we on camel now? Or we're on camel. Can we get rid of the desert sage? That is so great. I will say that this is where the organization side would really come in. And that is why I don't knock organization, but it just needs to come second. So once we've decided the things that we can get rid of and want to get rid of, and we are left with the things that serve a purpose. So, you know, those things serve a purpose. They really do. Whether or not they're serving an immediate purpose, they do serve a purpose. And I think that that's where we really need to be conscious and think about the ways that we can store things in such a way that we don't forget about them. And we are aware of what we have. I don't think that people think about their home when they, when they think about their home, they don't think, mm, I really want a really messy place. And I really want it to be so full of things that I can't <laughs> walk around. No, nobody closes their eyes and has that vision, you know, even your storage closet. We don't want it to be something that's overwhelming when we walk in. When we close our eyes, we think, oh, I want a pretty home and it would look like this and so on and so forth. So so even when it comes to our storage closet, we don't want it to cause that anxiety and dress just walking in there. So we need to come up with an organizational plan that can serve our purpose. Again, it needs to serve us, not the other way around. And so sometimes things like placing things inside of one another can be helpful, like items. You know, if you have a a suitcase that goes inside of another suitcase, um, that's a Hmm. great way to not forget that you have the suitcase because it's with a like item. Even keeping all of those items that we might, that our spouse might use for deployment or cold weather gear and all of that, keeping it all together is important if possible. I know that it's not always possible, but really trying to look at our spaces and see what works best so that we don't forget what we have. You know what? And if that means that you need to buy a clear tub, that's okay. You know, that you want to put it in there so it doesn't get ruined because sometimes it's really important that we we make sure that those things stay nice because otherwise then we spend more money on the back end having to replace something we really didn't need to replace. It wasn't because we forgot, but it was because we didn't take good care of it. You want to put a label on it or something like that with what items are in it. You know, sometimes you need to take good inventory and account of the things that you do decide to keep. Um, and, and, you know, PCSing can be a good time for that. You know, as we have changes of life stations or our husband or spouse makes a a promotion or whatever and we get rid of certain things, it's good to do it right then and not whenever we get to the other side. So it's important to have a good organization system. I think that clear stackable type tubs that are labeled are helpful. And I also think that making sure that we don't keep more than what we actually need of those things is important. And when, you know, when we do compare down to the things that we only need and serve our purpose, we will find homes and space for the things that we do need to keep and they won't be overwhelming. So what happens, you know, when you're looking at those things and you're maybe not on the same page as your partner, if you have one, how might you recommend proceeding with, you know, with Sage that? boots. Why do we have three pairs of sage boots? <laughs> so um, one of the really important things for me, this may not be how everybody looks at it. So first off, I will, you know, I, I do have a spouse that is on board with me. So that can be really difficult to encounter not having a spouse that is on board. 
But it is important that I don't shove on my husband or even my children the things that they aren't ready to get rid of or don't feel it's time yet. So before my husband deployed, he had a bunch of uniforms, the the AB uniforms, and he had gotten new uniforms to deploy. I said, can we get rid of these old ones? I got very excited. (laughs) I said, can we get rid of these? (laughs) And he said, no, not yet. And I said, okay, well, you're not taking them with you. (laughs) I don't know when you're going to wear them again. But, you know, it was more important to me to respect the decision that he was comfortable with than to shove on him something that he wasn't ready for. And then he was just bitter at me. He finally did come around and say, okay, it's time now. And so the process was much easier then. And, you know, so it might not be immediate. Um, When I approach my husband about things that I am going through, I'm very clear with him. And I say, um, hey, you know what? You don't need to get rid of anything. I'm cleaning. But if there are things that you feel you're ready to let go of, please let me know. For him, it's not uh, I'm making him do it. It's the things that he's ready to get rid of. And he then comes alongside me instead of feeling drug along. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's important when we get excited and passionate about something, we really want everybody else to be on board immediately. And Mm -hmm. that's not always the case. So if your spouse or your kids are not on board, you deal with your your own things first. Um, You will begin to set an example. And one of the other things that I tell a lot of ladies is it's really difficult to not get your husband on board with the less accumulation of things when he sees it as you spending less money. Hmm. If we're not bringing in as much, we're not spending as much. And so that can feel like a little bit of a, you know, a nice incentive for them to be like, oh, okay, what you doing? What's going on here? And they really begin to kind of come around and it might be slower for some than others. But as they begin to see how free you are and the time that you're able to spend with them, they really tend to hop on board. And I think that's with anything. And it can be hard because we have to be patient, especially when we're passionate. And I, I tend to be a very passionate person about anything I, I do. And so my husband is kind of like, he's not as much like that. And so it's, <laughs> it's difficult to not just like want to hit the ground running with something. So I, I get that. I get that some women are over there thinking, man, I wish my spouse would do blah, 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 blah. But really focus on yourself. and what you can do to manage your possessions. Because even though you all live in the same household, in reality, aside from maybe your kids, the things that you bring in for them as they're younger, you know, your husband's things are not technically, like they're not mine to get rid of. Just like I wouldn't want him to come in and just get rid of my things. I would be devastated and very frustrated. I wouldn't want him to come in and say to me, hey, you need to get rid of these things. No one would ever think that that's acceptable. And so I shouldn't in turn think that it's acceptable for me to just say that to him as he sees the value and he sees the, like why it's good and why it's working, they will begin to come alongside. And as they see your kids happier with less, your bank and your checkbook will thank you. And I really think that your kids, your kids will thank you. They will truly value the things that they already own. Hmm. 
I'm going to change gears just a little bit. When I heard you speak to our group, I remember hearing murmurs around the room and a lot of sidebar (laughs) conversations popped up as gals started talking with each other about some of the common pitfall areas. And the fact that lots of gals were talking about the same subjects kind of made me think, I wonder if these are frequent trouble spots. And so I'm going to bring them up on behalf of our listeners. Bernadette already talked a little bit about like some ideas for kid art and crafts, but maybe talk a little bit more about kid art and crafts. What do you do about over-gifting family members? What do you do about your kids and their toys, especially like if they're not on board or if you have little ones and maybe you do have the right number of toys, but nobody ever puts it back where it belongs and you keep stepping on the Legos. Uh, Laundry just feels like it never ends. Uh, Let's say you have a really small closet and so you've gotten down to what's appropriate, but even still, there's no place to put that. And then dishes. Dishes also never end. Especially with these tiny sinks. I did dishes four times today. Four times today I did dishes. All right. So those are some of the common, I I think those are some common pitfall areas. See if you can remember them and and give us some advice. Sure. So there was a gentleman that I read about. uh, His name is Bruce Perry. And he, he really put it very beautifully. And that is that children don't need more things. The best toys a child can have is a parent who gets down on the floor and plays with them. I struggle with that because I'm over here like all these toys need to be put away. Um, I don't really want to get down on the floor and play because this needs cleaned up. But, you know, when we take away that barrier, we now have the ability to uh, get down on the floor and play with them. I don't want my kids to think of minimalism as getting rid of everything they own, but really the exact opposite. I want them to learn the power of surrounding themselves with the people and the things that bring them the absolute joy, the things that they really, really care about. If they haven't played with it in six months, they're not going to play with it. If it's broken and you haven't fixed it, you know, I like Mm -hmm. to say in our house that we don't know where to buy batteries. If (laughs) something dies, oh, well, that's just the end of it. (laughs) I love that. It's That's brilliant. <laughs> you guys have made so much more progress than me. My kids actually know where the batteries are. Oh. And so if something runs out of batteries, they will go get the batteries and bring the batteries to me. Yeah. So as far as the gift giving process, again, definitely a common, common problem. You know, and I would almost beg to say that those of us who live far away from our families that's more than likely military people, our families really feel like they don't know how to love us because they can't see us. They can't go places with us. They can't hug on us. None of that. You know, the the different ways that people can express that they care about somebody. And I love my in-laws, but that's definitely one of the ways that they love to express is through gifts. My mom and I are really great friends and I can you know, message her and say, she'll say, Hey, the boys' birthdays are coming up. You know, people know me, they know now that we live kind of this minimalist life. And so I think in their desire to respect that, but also still want to, to love on their, on the grandkids, my mom and I talk about the things that maybe the boys need more than 
what they want. You know, my mom might send a small something that they want, but I think she really does try to gear towards getting the things that they need. And one of the ways that I have done that is created an Amazon wish list just for them. And as I come across things that I think that they need, but maybe I don't want to buy yet, or, you know, maybe I want to save that for grandma and grandpa, um, I'll put it on the list. My, my mother-in-law, she loves that. She'll say the boys' are, birthdays are coming up and I'll send her that link. And it gives her the opportunity to one, purchase something, but it gives her the opportunity to choose as well. There's multiple things on there and she can pick what she wants to give. It's not just, here's this item, buy this. And, and mm. that can feel yeah. very pushy. <laughs> and so that's, a, you know, an opportunity for her to do that. And as we've grown, we talk more about the things that they need. I'm grateful that they're respectful of that, but I definitely know that there's people out there that their families are not, and they really just want to send every little thing. It's hard for us. We feel guilty letting go of those things. But I think that if we truly thought about, say my mother sent me something that I didn't, didn't want to keep. I think that my mom, they wouldn't want us to feel guilty and that be our reason to keep something. Their desire is to, to show us that they love and care for us. And that was done in the act of giving the gift. So when mm. grandma gave the gift, the act of love was shown. Now that doesn't mean that it's any less her loving you by you choosing to not keep that item. And that's really hard for us to change our mind about, but really the action that was desired happened and you can express gratitude and thankfulness for that item. And then, you know, maybe think to yourself, is there somebody else who could really give this item more value and let it live its purpose and serve its purpose than what I am going to do for it? Because we don't maybe need this item or maybe it's a duplicate, you know, something like that. And I think that they would not want us to keep things that we are holding on to sheerly out of guilt. Yeah, that's been an important revelation for me. I had read some of Marie Kondo's writings, but I had also watched a couple of the episodes on Netflix. And that idea hugely transformed all we had. We had just this box of stuff in a closet, just gifts that... Yeah. Oh, this isn't our style. We would never yeah. wear this. Or this doesn't fit or all kinds of things. But there was so much guilt about getting rid of it because it, it was the only thing that we got. And this was mm -hmm. important. To, it was so freeing to consider that the purpose of that gift was served the moment that it was wrapped and sent in the mail. The purpose yeah. of this gift is not necessarily, oh, this is a hideous shirt that my husband <laughs> is never going to wear. The purpose of this shirt was it brought the gift giver joy. And by the time it got to me, it was almost kind of pointless yeah. what the item was. That, that really made us feel so much better. And we were finally able to put a lot of things into a box without guilt, without feeling bad. Yeah. I mean, I know that if I gifted somebody something, um, and that's something I take very seriously, I enjoy still giving gifts to people, but I try to make sure that, you know, it's not about how much it costs. It's about the fact that I 
truly thought about that person and what they desired. There's a a big thing that comes into play here. And that is the less we bring in, the less there is to even worry about letting go of. Um, And and one of the ways that we even combat that is one in, one out. Um, When you bring in a new shirt, another one's got to go. I only keep a specific number of hangers. And if I don't have a hanger for it, I have to get rid of something else that's no longer serving me. And that's a great way to not just have your closet jam-packed full of things that are no longer probably wearing because you can't see. That's really helpful. And then the other thing is that we've really incorporated this into different holidays because that seems to be the big time where gifts come into play and and items coming into the home come into play. And so originally uh, I started with Christmas when my kids were young. I didn't want to completely take gift giving off the table at first. And so we did the something you want, something you need, something you wear and something you read. While that was helpful for a while, I found it so much more stressful trying to find something that fit into those categories to buy them that I ended up buying things that they didn't necessarily need just because it fit into that category. And to be honest, you know, if if your child needs something, the likelihood is that you've probably already purchased it for them. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the ways to combat Christmas for a while, especially living stateside when we were near family and gifts were a big thing, is I would put a bin outside of the playroom. And every day, starting the 1st of December, leading up to Christmas, I asked the boys to please place one item each that they were both okay with. Um, They couldn't go and grab their brother's toy. And (laughs) (laughs) that's what they wanted to start with, right? Uh, That they they were both okay with and put it in the bin and did that every day leading up to Christmas. And and my older boy has his birthday in December as well. So it can be a lot of presents leading up to Christmas. And so, you know, I really thought that they were going to absolutely hate me. And I didn't want to shove it on them. And I didn't want to force it on them. But you know what the coolest thing happened? The kids said to me, Mommy, Mommy, we haven't put our toy in for the day. It was so exciting to see them really take ownership and want to clear out some of the things that they didn't play with anymore. And they had control over it instead of this look on their face like, oh, mom's cleaning the playroom again. What's going to go? You know. <laughs> and right. so that was a great way to really get them involved. And some days they put more than one thing in there. And that was so such a blessing and encouragement for me to see. And so we've actually done it every year. And this last Christmas, we did something that I almost hesitate sometimes telling people because I really think that they'll give me the stink eye. But um, we actually didn't do presents at all for Christmas. We we did a little tiny, tiny Christmas Eve, like some new pajamas and then watched a movie mm-hmm. together. Um, and they, they just really loved it. We were able to truly celebrate the season for what it was. And that was a gift to us instead of just constantly consuming and, and spending our whole time focusing on the next best thing, but we truly got to set our eyes on Jesus. Hmm. So you mentioned Christmas, and that kind of hits on a, <laughs> an item <laughs> that I wanted to ask. So uh, the question is really, you know, what what about minimalism for those to whom, you know, possessions may be important, but also what I want to kind of tag on to that is, 
you know, I have some boxes with some really beautiful Christmas decorations that I love, right? And so they're, yeah. they have sentimental value, but they also have some other, you know, beautification value. And so they're not things that I would like to get rid of. However, in the season of young kids and in moving around and don't do it, they got to stay in the box <laughs> and the types of houses we live in or whatever, right? Some of those Christmas decorations have not come out of their box for mm -hmm. six to seven years, right? They're things my mother helped me get and they're in great shape. They're beautiful. I'm not ready to get rid of them. Also not the season of use yet. And sure. so kind of a two-part question because I think some of that is there, there are possessions, right? That maybe it's not the season to get rid of them, but they're also just not in use. They're not, they aren't serving their purpose. So do you have any advice about that sure. in tandem with, you know, if, if possessions are maybe more important as part of your why? Yeah. So one of the suggestions that I would give for something like that would be during that season, when it's time for you to get out the things that you're going to you know, decorate for and, you know, different holidays hold different values for different people and uh, whatever season it is, whatever holiday or, or thing that you're decorating for, if there's something that you've collected that you don't find would be practical to put out, but again, you're not ready to get rid of. I think that if you take stock of the things that you have, maybe, maybe there are some things that you are okay with parting with. Maybe there's one thing that you're willing to part with, um, sure. or maybe there's not. And I would encourage you to actually utilize at least one of those things. Don't let it be forgotten and don't let it be not serving its purpose to you for its beauty and its memories. You might not have to put out all the things, but you could find a place for one of them this year. And maybe next year, a different one gets to have yeah. um, a purpose. And you know, the beautiful thing about that is that you can then share with your children one item at a time. Um, that is important and you can talk about why it's important. And then you know what? It it becomes the treasure, you know, and not all the treasures out at once and they're all sparkly and the kids want to touch all the sparkly things. So true. We have one thing that we can talk about and we can talk about why it's important to be respectful of mommy's sentimental item. And, you know, maybe it be something that you in the back of your mind could handle if it was broken. <laughs> That way, it's at least one of your items is serving a purpose that year. I would encourage that because it is important. It is a season of love and family being together. And I think that those little small things, I have a couple of those things. They tend to be our, our ornaments. And, you know, there was a, a season, a time where we didn't put ornaments on the bottom half of the tree. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so, unfortunately... You know, there were some that didn't get to get displayed. Um, but at the same time, there were some that I really took stock and went, why do I have this? I know that somebody gave it to me, but I have no idea who. Because if I can't, what is its actual purpose to you and serving you? Yeah. No, it's, I mean, that's a great call. I think it can be overwhelming if you do have, I don't want to say a collection, but you have a number of a particular item. Like for me, one of the things is I, I have a, a dinner plate set. It's this beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not china from, from a wedding or anything, but it's a Christmas dinner plate set. And it's intimidating the idea of boxing up all my dishes and pulling out my Christmas dishes and whatever. It won't be intimidating to me one day, <laughs> but yeah. it is right now. But I can get out the spode, right? I can get out the little cookie dish and sure. put that in, right? I can use one piece and kind of work it in that way. I will say that I would hate to see people's li people live their lives not using these sort of breakable things 
and then coming to a place in our lives where we don't get to use them or they get broken by the military, <laughs> which is a very <laughs> thing, you know, that you chose whatever it is to not put out and display because we feared them being broken and we never found the right moment to use them and we never found the right occasion or or comfortable level to be able to bring those items out and then they never got to serve their purpose. I don't own any china. We own four small dishes and four large dishes and four bowls and my kiddos have a couple of kiddo bowls. Uh, but that's about it. I, I would hate that if I had something that was beautiful and I waited and then something happened and I never yeah was able to share those moments with my kids and talk about those moments and why those things are important to me because I was scared that they would break. You know, because deep down we have these things because we think that they they make us happy. And some things some things do bring joy and that's why we keep them, you know. But truly we desire, we value that connection, the relationship. And so the things especially that we can bond over, that we can enjoy together as a family, I think is something that we can't wait for. You know, tomorrow isn't guaranteed and our lives are not forever and neither are our things. You know, we can't take them with us. And, and so my heart hurts when someone held on to something and never ever used it because they were afraid of that and it never got its use. I would encourage you to get it out anyway and share those memories and why they are special to you with your kids. And I think that they will feel even more connected to you because you shared a special thing with them that they didn't know about before. And if they break one, we have to just remember which, which thing is more important. And I know that's really hard and not what everybody wants to say, but really it is so freeing and it is so much more fun and so much more just getting the fullness out of what we do choose to keep. Get out the dishes. That's the thing, <laughs> Stephanie. I got to get and out the then, dishes next Christmas. Yeah. And you know what's great about knowing what you have and being actually able to use them is that it could be that at the end of that use, you just went. And these just aren't for me, that they're beautiful, but I don't want to keep them. Now, that may not be how what your sentiments are. But for some people, you know, you might have gotten this china, you used it and said, man, this just isn't me. And <laughs> I think that that's where we really get to delve into why people can't let things go. You know, we either fear the past or we fear the future, you know, and just because something made you happy in the past doesn't mean that you have to keep it forever, you know, and just because it made you happy in the past doesn't even mean that it's going to make you happy in the future. And so I think that being able to use that item really allows you to process if it's serving your purpose. You know, if it's stuck in a box somewhere, well, it's clearly not serving your purpose, but we don't have the opportunity to really evaluate and take stock of whether or not that item is serving, you know, my purpose, my why. Hmm. I would like to talk about some resources. So resources for um, learning more about this topic. Um, but before you talk about resources that you can point listeners to uh, about learning more about this topic, can you talk about 
we've, we've done the process of sorting our stuff into these three piles and we've identified that there's this donate pile. Can you talk about some organizations that a military member could donate items to? I know there's Airman's Attic. I've used Operation Deploy Your Dress to get rid of like a couple of formal dresses that I didn't ever wear. Uh, I know I've given some toys to USOs so that kids who are traveling from one place to another have toys to play with in the USO. And of course, most people in the States have goodwill. What are some other options that I haven't mentioned? Are there other good ones that I haven't thought of that people should take advantage of? I mean, obviously there's the Airman's Attic and I want to let people know that a lot of people have this misconception about the Airman's Attic. They think that uh, because only certain ranks are allowed to um, receive items from there, that they think that they can't donate. So anybody can donate. Just make sure that you donate during their hours and not while they're closed. They really don't like that. <laughs> so in the local area, for those in near the Ramstein area, there is a secondhand store. Uh, it's literally called secondhand. You can look for local orphanages and local shelters like domestic violence shelters or homeless shelters. Those are really great places to bring your clothing that you're no longer in need of. On base, we also have a couple of thrift stores. We have the Ramstein Enlisted Spouses Association that runs a thrift store that also gives back to the community with the proceeds that they make. Um, and then we also have the KLSA, which is the Kaiser Slaughter and Spouses Association on Launchstool. And they take in your donations and then resell them in order to help the community. So um, I would encourage people to look for a, a local shelter or just any local secondhand. You'll see these little bins that you can pull open and they'll take your uh, shoes and your clothes. So that's a great way. I also find that Facebook tends to have lots of free pages where you can get rid of your stuff that way. One thing in particular that I get a lot of people that ask me about your wedding dress. Uh, I still have mine and I wish I did not. <laughs> <laughs> so I technically do, but that's because my mom has it. I was very worried it was going to like fall off the boat when we came over here <laughs> for some reason. But this thing that I'm probably never going to wear, uh, I have no desire to see whether I fit in it again. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I have boys, so obviously I wouldn't pass it on to uh, somebody that they're marrying. But even if I had daughters, you know, I, I think that a wedding yeah. is so very personal for mm -hmm. them to, to choose their own. So that pressure to wear mom's wedding dress can be, whew, you know, a little bit stressful. And so there's actually a really great organization. I hope I don't cry, but uh, you can donate your, your wedding dress to uh, the Angel Gown program. And it's the NICU, the, the Helping Hands program. They um, take your wedding gown and they uh, have about 180 seamstresses throughout the U.S. that will take your dress and make garments for, for their babies if they pass away. Um, yeah. So they can put them in a beautiful gown for burial. And I think that that's just beautiful. Again, it's just one of those ways to pass along something that meant something very much to you, but <laughs> probably has no value to anybody else, uh, but you know is going to serve somebody who's going through a really difficult time. It's, it's just a, a great way to keep that 
serving a purpose. Yeah. I've considered that for my wedding dress. Yeah. And if you've got yourself in a picture with it, then you're good to go, you know? Yeah. Man, so I, I I feel like we could keep talking for hours. And at this point, we've, we've already talked, I think, past our, our kind of our intended time. But this is such a impactful subject. And there's so much to, to take apart and, and think about and digest and discuss. Any last <laughs> bits of advice or last thoughts, uh, you know, for our listeners about minimalism or being a minimalist yeah. in, you know, in the military and as we close up? Where they can go to learn more about this if they're interested, Facebook groups or yeah. books or people to follow on Instagram. I don't know. Is that a thing? I'm so not on Instagram. <laughs> uh, as far as books go, I am not a huge reader. And so when I find something that I actually can read through and, and, and put some time and energy into, then I find it valuable and worthwhile to share with someone else. And that was The Minimalist Home. And that is by Joshua Becker. He also wrote another book called The More of Less. And he also has a, a, a blog called Becoming Minimalist. And so you can you can go and find his articles there. They are a lot of what I share on my Facebook group, things that he's already given out great advice on, uh, all the questions that you could think of, except maybe military type. And, and I'm it's really frustrating because I do find that there's not a lot of people living the minimalist life that have any idea on what it's like to move from place to place. And so it can be easy to say, I'll oh, just get rid of all your stuff when you've put up roots somewhere and you are stable <laughs> and not having to think about what you're going to need mm -hmm. three years from now. And so uh, I think that it is important to be talking about this and people can obviously come to me and ask me questions. And I'm grateful. My husband really does feel like a teammate with me on this because he shares the minimalist journey, but he also has the perspective of the military member and being able to look at it from that vantage point. And I really enjoy his input. And so if I don't have the answer, I'm, I'm happy to ask him what he, what his, I don't want to say two cents because they're worth more than that. But <laughs> my Facebook group for the local area is called Ramstein Minimalists. People need to answer when they want to join the group. And that is just uh, are you in the KMC area and do you desire a more minimalistic life or are you already on this minimalism journey? You know, you certainly don't have to have gotten rid of all of your things in order to join our group. Uh, this is a great place to get ideas and motiv motivation and inspiration on how to start. Even just the very beginning pieces, this is a great place to ask people the questions that, you know, it's so countercultural that sometimes just putting it out there on Facebook, you don't necessarily always get the best response. And so this is a great way to ask like-minded people what resources are available here in this area and also where to start. And it's a great place to post pictures. I post challenges sometimes. We do the 30-day challenge a lot. You know, day one of the month, you get rid of one thing and day two, you get rid of two and day three, you get rid of three and you get the idea. But it's encouraging seeing other people post their pictures and we really get motivated by other people's um, passion and desire to do something that we want to do. You know, that's what we do in life is we link up with like minded people and uh, that they help us to spur our passion on. I'm a part of a couple other minimalist pages 
on Facebook. There is uh, The Minimalists. That's another group. The Minimalist Life is another one. Minimalist Mom. There's even ones as far as, you know, baking with minimalist items. Uh, so there's there's also some documentaries on like Netflix. One of them is from The Minimalists. If you're watching the documentary or reading any of these books or going on any of these groups or whatever, I would also encourage people to not feel overwhelmed, to not think that if you see somebody who has just white walls and like a bed and that's it, that that's what you have to do, that this is a journey and a process that we're all on somewhere along the way for those of us who desire this life. So don't feel like, you know, if you don't have that, or even that that's not your goal, that you can't aspire to just have less. And so I would encourage people to watch it anyway, even for inspiration and encouragement. So that's a great documentary from The Minimalists. And then as far as organization goes, I have read The the Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up from Marie Kondo. And I've also watched all of her episodes. Uh, (laughs) But I also find that shows like Hoarders and just those types of shows really give me motivation. Inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, and and with like everything, there's some things in in the books that I disagreed with or I didn't find practical for a military lifestyle. And you know what? That's okay. Um, We are not all just cookie cutter people that can follow exactly somebody else's formula. There's going to be things that we change about how people bring things up and um, how we choose to be on this journey. And and I love that about the group that I run, that no one's there judging you. It's just a, a thought process change. I'm going to choose to spend my time with my family instead of going to the store and buying something that I don't need or whatever, you know, just small steps. And, and that's okay. We have to be okay that we're not all at the same speed or even heading toward the exact same goal, but that we just, we desire less. Stephanie, that's been, I mean, it's been such a great conversation and so great to learn more. Uh, just thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. telling us all about your passion and sharing that with us. We really appreciate having you. Yeah, I feel like tomorrow I'm going to go into the playroom and get rid of all my kids' toys. I've already been thinking about how much sorting I need to do in the Tupperware drawer. That might not mm-hmm. even that might not even wait till tomorrow. You know, you know if 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 you lose a Tupperware lid, you find it in the socks, right? Is that what they say? Oh my gosh. So uh. many solo socks. <laughs> oh, I have so a pile of solo socks. Oh. Someday I'll find the other one. I'm not counting on it. Well, as Stephanie said, the journey of minimalism is a journey. It is, you know, an adventure, potentially hard steps along the way. And so uh, to all our Bellas listening, thanks for joining us. Thank you again, Stephanie, for being part of our podcast today and led us to that battle. Thanks for listening to the Bella Said Bellum podcast. You can find notes or resources related to this topic on our social media community. Check us out, like, follow, or subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bellas at Bellum. Join us for our next episode, and in the meantime, let us to the battle.
we take great care to seek out subject matter experts who are knowledgeable and experienced in their fields to be guests. However, everyone's military experience is unique, and the views of our guests and our hosts do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, view, or policy. Content is provided for informational purposes only, and we make no claim as representation of official sources.